0: your state your team your show this is sports nightly 20 seconds on the possession nebraska by three the drive by back weak side
1: dunk by cross another dime drop beautifully by cam back into the hands of kevin cross cross is played magnificently
0: now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Nate War. Yep, you've got us on a Friday night. We're glad to be here with you. So congratulations, you've survived another week. Another weekend is upon you. We're going to have some fun over the next three hours. We're going to be monitoring some action at the Vanny Center as the duel between the Huskers and the Penn State Nittany Lions just underway. We had Mark Manning on last night. He called Penn State the Alabama wrestling
2: power abs and led by Cale sanderson who of course had a power program at iowa state and penn state lured him out there and and lured him away from iowa state so you know and Cale sanderson you're talking about arguably the greatest wrestler in college wrestling history and he's obviously built a great coaching resume as well
0: the the Devaney Center, which is where this is going on tonight, and it's on BTN as well tonight, they've set up a stage in the middle of the floor at the Devaney Center. They've kind of dimmed the lighting on the outside. This is a
2: really cool look. Yeah, it's reminiscent of the national wrestling tournament, the the actual NCAA wrestling tournament. Uh, I was talking to you about this before our show tonight, that you know there are multiple mats on the floor of the arena for nationals most of the way through but they they set aside the final night session for the 10 national championship matches and before that they clear the floor of all the other mats they put the one mat up on a riser and they do the same thing with the lighting where it's all focused on the one mat and and so all eyes are on what's going on with the national championship match and uh, they've really tried to make this a big time atmosphere for Nebraska. They've had a good year to this point. They hit a little uh, rough patch the last couple of duels, the loss to Wisconsin, the loss to Iowa, but they're taking on a Penn State team. And, and of course, that program is the class of, of college wrestling, as Mark Manning alluded to, and, and trying to make this a little bigger time atmosphere as Nebraska guns for an upset.
0: It's a cool event, and we'll, we'll keep monitoring it as the night moves along here. Uh, here on Sports Island tonight. Here's what we do have on the program. One of your favorite topics is college football recruiting. Nate Klaus of Husker Online. Nobody does it better. He'll join us with an update on what went on for the Huskers last weekend when they had a lot of visitors and what's set to take place this weekend as they welcome quite a few juniors onto campus. We'll get a feel for what's happening in the recruiting world, and we'll also get Nate's take on the two new additions to the staff. How does that change Nebraska recruiting moving forward. We'll get some thoughts from him coming up in a few minutes. Hour number two, Ben McLaughlin is in Piscataway, New Jersey, getting ready for the Huskers matchup tomorrow. He'll be on the call with Kent Pavelka as the Huskers get set to take on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Uh, He caught up with Kevin Cross while they were traveling today, so we'll hear that conversation. The freshman from Arkansas had a very good game against Wisconsin the other night, tallying 17 points, so we'll hear from Kevin, and Ben will give us the, the lowdown on the matchup tomorrow against Rutgers. Husker Baseball. Yep, Husker Baseball began today with their first full squad practice, I had a chance to to grab Jackson Hallmark, the junior infielder, uh, for some thoughts about the upcoming season. We'll hear from him in hour number two. Our third hour, we'll have our weekend preview. We'll check in with Husker women's, or men's gymnastics coach Chuck Schmelka. He's going to be a part of the next Rumble Tumble, which is Sunday at the Devaney Center at 2 o'clock. Mark Manning's squad wrestling Penn State tonight. They will tangle with Michigan State on Sunday. The uh, gymnasts will take on Iowa, so we'll hear from Chuck Schmoka in hour number three. We'll have our weekend review and our winners and losers of the week. And as always, phone lines are there, available to you at 866-HOSCAR-1-866-487-5371. There was some football news today, Nate. As another Husker has put his name into the transfer portal, it is senior-to-be defensive back Tony Butler. Tony is from the state of Ohio. Never really dented the two deep for Nebraska, played on some special teams units, but just never really grabbed a spot on that two deep. And with the glut of DBs now in the program, the very highly touted group that redshirted this past year outside of Quentin Newsom, and then some incoming bodies that look pretty promising. I think Tony feels like maybe an opportunity to play is better elsewhere.
2: Yeah, as much as Nebraska has recruited defensive – they've recruited a bunch of defensive backs. They still return a big chunk mm-hmm. of of last year's defensive backfield. You think of DiCaprio Boodle. You think of Cam Taylor-Britt. Dismuke. D- Markel Dismuke is back as well. Braxton Clark mm-hmm. played some. So the playing opportunities were going to be few and far between this year anyway, not even counting all the freshmen they brought in last year, you know, thinking of Javin Wright, among others. Uh, you mentioned Newsom who Miles Farmer, Miles who I think
0: is going to be good.
2: Yeah, like that That DB freshman class was stacked. And now the Jaden Francois, mm-hmm. Gray, et cetera, et cetera, this class is pretty well stacked. I, uh, you know, if you're a guy like Tony Butler who hasn't cracked it yet, uh, I think your chances are going to be pretty limited. So an understandable decision for him. He has uh, the chance to do it. And, and as, you know, permissive as the transfer culture is these days, I can't really fault him for looking at the situation and going, yeah, they're recruiting this position pretty hard. My chances of playing here are virtually nil, I need to find somewhere else.
0: It makes the third scholarship guy (laughs) since everybody came back on campus that has left the program. John Reardon has decided to retire from football and just finish up his academic work and get on with with his life. Purnell Jefferson and now Tony Butler. Any concern from you about the attrition that we're seeing in the program? We knew... There needed to be some because Nebraska, with what they signed in December, Nate, they were over the 85 mm-hmm. limit, which it didn't matter right now because a lot of the kids aren't here yet. Only nine of that group that signed in December are here. But um, any concern on your part about people that were seen walk out the door from this program?
2: No, no, I, I'm not worried. You look at the guys who are leaving, and they are not players who were impact players, they were not guys who. Who, who were a part of the two deep. I mean, the one guy who has left from the end of last year that, that concerns me is Jeremiah Stovall, and even he was a special teams guy. It, it wasn't... Isaiah Stahlberg. Or Isaiah Stahlberg, yes. Jeremiah's
0: graduated. So, Pardon he's, me, yeah. yes. So I, knew, I knew you were talking about those.
2: Yeah. Uh, so uh, other than that, you've not lost guys who are guys of impact. Correct. And, and so, especially in this era, especially with... the the shuffling that is going on in college football, if there is a roster deficiency left by the attrition, and I don't think there is any at this point, you can address that in May. You can address that with somebody in the transfer portal. So losing a guy who's buried on your depth chart now, I'm not worried.
0: Well, and let me just say this, too. It's not over. I mean, you're still going to have young men leave the program. I think the next batch could come in the spring after mm-hmm. spring ball and guys go, hmm, I don't like where I sit and I don't know it's going to get any better because those guys aren't going to get worse. Mm-hmm. And so maybe i leave it. A- so attrition's part of it. When you have 85 scholarship and you have 60-some walk-ons, you're going to have young men walk out the door. And for Stalbert, who you referenced earlier, he got a scholarship to South Dakota State. I, right. I, it's hard to fault the guy go to get – compensator to get his schooling covered to go play football.
2: Well, no doubt. You go from walk-on here to actually getting it covered. And, you know, college is expensive. And this will be the one challenge of Scott Frost rebuilding the walk-on program to the level that he wants to is that college everywhere is pricey. So that makes it tougher for a family to look at sending their kid to Nebraska and, and, and just having him play football especially when behind door number two there's an opportunity to play Division I football, albeit Division I FCS football out of North Dakota, North Dakota State, South Dakota, South Dakota State. And then you've got Northwest Missouri just down the road, which is a championship-level program. So it's going to be tougher to build that walk-on program to the level that Scott Frost wants it.
0: And Austin, one of the topics before we hit the break, Austin covered it in the ticker and that is the news that's come out this afternoon that former Husker Isaiah Roby has been traded. Boy, did he learn about Hmm. pro basketball being a a business. He was traded uh, to the Oklahoma City Thunder for Justin Patton. How odd is that that a former Creighton Blue Hmm. Jay gets traded for a Nebraska Cornhusker, Um, and there was also some cash exchange in this thing as well. It's (coughs) it's probably a... A little um, – what's the right word I'm trying to – probably a little discomforting for Isaiah to go, wow, the team that drafted me has already sent me, sent me out. But it may, be, it may be a good move for him to get to a different, franci- fr- the, different franchise.
2: The, the phrase that's creeping into my head is wake-up call. You know, you think about it, and he's four months into his professional career, and if there was one question about Isaiah Roby during his time at Nebraska and as he left Nebraska, it was about his motor. It was about his drive. It was, you know, is this guy giving us 100% the entire time? And if this doesn't say, wait a minute, my spot's not secure in this game, I don't know what does. So, like you say, maybe it's something that's good in the long run, but it's plenty uncomfortable right now. I mean, this is – but this is the reality of of the NBA. It's a a pretty stark statement, though. Here you are as the Dallas Mavericks. You give him the largest – contract ever for a second round draft pick and four months later you're going I don't think so this guy isn't worth it to us so there's a little message there for Isaiah Roby I think and we'll see if he receives it and responds to it the way he ought to or not yep
0: We're back on a Friday Night Sports timely here on the Husker Sports Network. And one of your favorite subjects is Husker football recruiting. And none better to talk about that than Nate Klaus, who joins us now from Husker Online. This January into early February period has certainly slowed down now that we have the early signing day in college football. But I know last weekend was pretty active on campus. This weekend looks like it will be as well. Can we go back seven days? Take me back to last weekend. What were some of the highlights in your eyes of guys that made made trips to Lincoln to check out Oscar football?
3: Yeah, you know, it's January's really changed so much, Greg. Uh, you know, instead of trying to lock down your signing class and, and keep the kids that you you've had committed and trying to, to secure commitments from those last remaining guys before signing day, now it's all about turning the page to that next class. And Nebraska had a number of their top uh, 2021 targets on campus. Uh, I think, uh, you know, one of the guys that you've got to start with is Keegan Johnson, the, the Husker legacy, uh, the the son of Cluster Johnson. Um, you know, Keegan's a terrific two way player out of Bellevue West. Nebraska likes him as a wide receiver. Um, you know, and, and he had an opportunity to kind of be one of uh, just a handful of underclassmen to, to make it to campus and kind of have. You know, a full day of, of personal attention with the coaching staff, a lot of one-on-one time with with a lot of the coaches, in, including Scott Frost, and um, that was highly productive. You know, Keegan already has offers from the Huskers and uh, Iowa, Iowa State uh, is getting attention from you know, Kansas State, Missouri, Minnesota, uh, a number of other Big Ten schools. So, uh, you know, this is a, this is a, a player that I think you know. Obviously, you uh, you have to lock down the best ones in your state, but uh, also, with him being a, a legacy, I think that adds a little bit more importance to it as well. Um, and then Thomas Fedoni, too, uh, the, the the rivals 250 four-star tight end out of uh, Council Bluffs Lewis Central High School, uh, was on campus, and and there may not be uh, a hotter you know, underclassman prospect in the in the nation than, than Thomas Fedoni. Certainly in the, in the region, you know, he's just here lately. He's gotten offers from Georgia, uh, LSU, Florida, um, you know, Penn state has come in. I mean, I mean, just schools from all over the country that typically don't recruit kids from, uh, from council bluffs are, are coming in to offer Thomas Fedoni, six, 220 pounds, just a tremendous athlete. And somebody I think Nebraska looks at as, as, uh, you know, one of those pieces that they may be missing on their roster. They don't have too many big, tall, athletic pass catchers that can also stretch the field, and um, and that's what, what Fedoni kind of brings to the table. And they're positioning themselves extremely well uh, there with Fedoni, and, um, you know, I think that's that's really a player to keep an eye on along with Keegan Johnson uh, Devin Neal's a running back out of Lawrence, Kansas uh, that already has an offer that was that was on campus, so I mean there was probably about seven or eight really high value targets that were on campus and um, and like I said, it was really productive those guys you know anytime you get an opportunity to spend a lot a lot of time with the coaches, but also a lot of time with one another and with most of those guys being. Um, somewhat familiar with one another since they're all kind of from the region. Uh, I think that allowed them to kind of create a bond and, or strengthen bonds that they already had uh, with each other. That's something that should pay off down the road, I think, for Nebraska.
0: Okay, that was last weekend. Let, let's, let's move now to this weekend. What, what activity do you expect? Who do you expect to be on campus here this weekend that, that fans should know about?
3: Yeah, there's a lot of guys that are making it to campus this weekend. Uh, You know, probably between 35 and 45 underclassmen are going to be in Lincoln. Um, And once again, you know, kind of Similar story, a lot of, a lot of regional talent, uh, which is always something that, that we hear the coaches talking about, whether they're in-state players or within that 500-mile radius. You know, you, you, uh, Nebraska has to kind of lock down or try to get as many of those top high-profile high targets uh, from within the region as they can. And, um, you know, I think that one of the most important players that's going to be on campus is T.J. Bowlers. Uh, I was the, the highly ranked four star outside linebacker uh, from uh, Tiffin, Iowa. Um, actually is a Hawkeye legacy. But it, right now, I, I think it's it's Wisconsin and Nebraska that are right at, at the top of his list. This will be his fourth or fifth visit to Lincoln here in the last eight months or so. Um, and, and the Huskers have done a tremendous job. Eric Shenander especially has done just a great job recruiting T.J. Bowlers and his family. Um, and, and I think it, it kind of goes along with a common theme. There's an awful lot of talent in the state of Iowa this year And and Shenander has done a tremendous job positioning Nebraska very well with a lot of those guys. Um, and so I think this is a big weekend here for Nebraska to maybe, um, you know, make a, make another move, uh, climb up his list a little bit more. I think that we'll also be seeing him scheduling a, an official visit back to Nebraska, whether that's this spring or earlier in the summer uh, to be determined. But uh, certainly I think the Huskers will get an official from him. Uh, Jeff Bowie is a defensive end out of, out of uh, Iowa that's going to be on campus, another one of those Iowa kids that's been – been here several times. Uh, that that uh, you know, Nebraska continues to, to impress him, uh, and obviously, in you know, any time those guys are, are making multiple trips uh, to Lincoln, I think that's that's a very good sign. And, and once again. They all know each other. Uh, these these are, these are kids that are very familiar with one another. Whether they they've met each other or hung around each other when they're visiting Nebraska or you know even other schools. You know, uh, there's there's a lot of common offers amongst all these players within the region, uh, whether it's Nebraska, Iowa, uh, Wisconsin, uh, Northwestern. Um, you know, a lot of, lot of uh, Big Ten and, and even some, some Big 12 flavor uh, in there, in Missouri too. So. Uh, I think that, you know, those are two guys on the defensive side of the football uh, that are, that are, you know, big targets for the Huskers, very important. Um, You know, and even some local kids, you know, uh, uh, Heinrich Harburg out of uh, Kearney Catholic is a a really interesting quarterback prospect, 6'5", 195 pounds, extremely athletic, uh, but also has a pretty live arm too. Uh, And he's a, he's somebody that Nebraska has really taken a close look at and, And, uh, you know, depending on, you know, what they see out of his arm, uh, I think they'd like to see him throw in person. Uh, here in the spring or maybe in the summer camp. But he's somebody that you know, could be in line for an offer down the road. So another you know, in-state guy to kind of keep an eye on.
0: Nate Klaus is with us from Husker Online. We're talking to Husker in football recruiting. A lot of folks are going to be on campus this week for Nebraska. Uh, the two new changes on the staff. Analyze that from a recruiting standpoint with the additions of coaches Lubick and Dawson now.
3: Yeah, well, we're somewhat familiar with Dawson, obviously, uh, since he was here uh, when, when the staff initially came from Central Florida. And what he brings to the table as far as recruiting is is a lot of ties to the Northeast, uh, specifically the New Jersey area. Um, And, and, you know, he played a large role in in helping Nebraska get their foot in the door with Ramir Johnson. Uh, But he also is, you know, proved his worth, I think, with a lot of the defensive linemen. Um, You know, he's heavily involved in recruiting uh, or or establishing a really good relationship with Nash Huttmacher uh, that just signed with Nebraska in this 2020 class, Uh, but also guys like Ty Robinson uh, in that 2019 class, uh, Messiah Newsom. Um, you know, the Brand Banks. Uh, he was he was uh, heavily involved in that one. I mean, there's there was about five or six guys in that 2019 class that, that Dawson was really really involved with. Uh, but to me, uh, his his addition to the staff uh, it, it really helps. I think uh, strengthen some of those connections in the Northeast where, where Nebraska, I think would like to like to be able to maybe sneak one or two players out of that New Jersey area or, um, you know, the, the surrounding area uh, every year. And so that's something I look forward to, to seeing if he can continue to do that. Uh, and then with Lubick, you know, this is somebody who uh, has recruited at a high level at a, at a number of different spots. Uh, he's been a recruiting coordinator, um, at, at a couple different spots. And, and to me, that tells me two things. is One, he loves recruiting uh, and, and that he's passionate about it. And two, that, that he's very organized. Um, you, you don't have the recruiting coordinator title unless you're extremely organized and have a plan of attack and, and are able to kind of execute that plan. And, um, and, and that's what Lubick is going to bring to the table to, uh, to Nebraska. And let's face it, I mean, if you're going to recruit at a high level here, I think you do have to be organized and passionate about recruiting. And so uh, and he has a lot of connections on the West Coast. Um, really from Arizona all the way up to the, to the northeast, or I'm sorry, the northwest. So um, I, I think that's, that's something that uh, could really help Nebraska kind of, uh, you know, be able to, to get some more players from, from out on the west coast. So uh, between the two of them, uh, you're, you're you know, strengthening some connections on, on both coasts, which is a big deal.
0: Very good. Well, we started this off talking about how different it is now that the February period is much less significant to a class as compared to what the December signing date is now. But do you anticipate Nebraska to add one, two more on February 5th? What's your gut say?
3: Yeah, you know, I, I think if there is another, uh, you know, if there is another signee um, or more additions, it'll probably be one. Uh, that's that's what my gut is kind of saying right now. Uh, Chris Drain is a is a really interesting athlete out of uh, Spanish Fort, Alabama, uh, that was visiting last weekend. Uh, had his official visit. He was uh, uh, at one time was committed to LSU very very early on uh, in his. Uh, in his recruiting process, and then kind of backed off that decommit, or backed off that commitment, and then committed to Ole Miss. And then after their coaching change, you know, he kind of he kind of stepped away and and really started from scratch and wanted to reevaluate everything. And that's when Nebraska was kind of able to enter the picture with him. He was the uh, the Alabama 6A back of the year. Uh, he does a lot of different things. He plays quarterback, running back. Uh, slot receiver, uh, defensive back. You know, it kind of reminds me of a, such a versatile player as kind of a, a Cam Taylor Britt uh, coming out of high school. So uh, he could play on either side of the football, but I do think Nebraska likes him as a slot receiver. Uh, so they, if they do uh, add one more, I think they, they wouldn't mind adding another playmaker on offense. And and the other target that Nebraska seems to be uh, heavy on right now, too, is is Tanoa Tagawai. Uh, defensive end out of Idaho, actually, um, which is not necessarily a state that the Huskers recruit too often, but Tony Tuioti has a connection with uh, Tanoa Tagawai. Uh, he has visited already. Uh, he took his official visit there right before the dead period in, in December, uh, has taken a couple other officials, and is going to be making his decision here in the coming weeks. Um, and again, defensive end, I think, is is on the defensive side of the football you know, one spot where they'd like to to possibly add another player. Um, And then, you know, I think we will see them hold at least one scholarship, to, to kind of see what what's out there in the transfer market, um, you know, probably after spring football is over with and, and some new names go back into the, the transfer portal, they'll probably take a look and see what's out there and, you know, see if there's anybody that could possibly come in and, and help them uh, immediately in that fashion too.
0: Yeah. Well, we heard Tony Butler today. He put his name into the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. One last thing before we cut you loose, Nate, well, what do you, where do you think their board looks for quarterbacks in this 21 class? Do, you, do they have a – a uh, one, two, and three yet the, the laid out in their mind.
3: Yeah, you know that's that's I think is going to be one of the more fascinating positions to watch in this 2021 class because as we know, you know the quarterback spot has has been um, an area where they've recruited at an extremely high level uh, since they've arrived on campus. Uh, between Mario Verduzco and Scott Frost, they've landed um, basically every year they've been here. They've gotten the the guy that they wanted to get. Um, but you know, with that, with that position, um, you know, (laughs) there's only one quarterback on the field at a time. And so you have to make sure you're going out and getting the right guy, not only athletically that fits what you want to do on offense, but I think the mental profile, of, of the guy that you're bringing in uh, has to be the right fit, too, because they kind of have to know what they're walking into, uh, that this is a, a highly competitive quarterback room, especially now that Logan Smothers and that 2020 class is on campus. So, um, you know, I, I think that we're going to see them kind of take their time and be very selective uh, with, with the guys that they're going after. But if I were going to name a couple of the top targets, I would say Peter Costelli. Uh, he's, a, he's a four-star quarterback out of Mission Viejo, California. Uh, he's already been on campus a couple different times, including a game this past fall, and is planning to make a return visit at some point this spring, maybe for the spring game. Uh, he, he's probably right at right at the top there. And then there's a, a, a kid by the name of Ty Keys out of Mississippi uh, that I know Mario Verduzco just stopped by to to check in on not too long ago um, here over the last week or so. Um, You know, that's that's another name to, to really keep an eye on and there's a couple other guys out in California that they're that they're keeping a close eye on, but they haven't necessarily pulled the trigger on on an offer yet. But uh, like I said, I, I think that they're with the way their quarterback room is currently set up, they can you know afford to kind of take their time and make sure that they're they're going after the right guy athletically and and mentally, um, and and be very selective here. So. Um, you know, normally you'd like to have a quarterback locked up, you know, as early as possible. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Nebraska, you know, w- without a quarterback commit, you know, at the end of the spring or maybe even closer to, to midsummer this year. Very good.
0: Nate, great stuff as always. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend and uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you soon.
3: All right. You too. Thanks, Greg.
0: Ben McLaughlin traveling for the first time this year with the basketball team. A little different trip than the last one you went on with these guys, right?
4: Yeah, a little a little shorter. <laughs> um, I think this one's going to be about, I don't know, 30-something hours. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you know, nine or ten states as opposed to halfway across the world for 13 days. So, yeah, a little more brief, but I think my wife's okay with that.
0: Well, uh, you know, this is a tough stretch right now for the guys. They've, they've dropped the last four. We had Coach Hoyberg in studio last night, and he said even even with the losses, he said he's really proud of the way this team has played and competed and thought they did a, a pretty nice job against Wisconsin. And, heck, it took 18 threes, right, for Wisconsin to beat Nebraska the other night.
4: Yeah, and I think, you know, when you when you – and we've been talking about this all week, you know, you start to lose a bunch of games in a row and you wonder – you know, what, what's the psyche of the team and, you know, being around these guys today and around practice some this morning, you know, they're, they're in a good spot. You know, they're, they're still having a lot of fun with each other. They're enjoying themselves. I think, you know, the newness of this whole deal is, is still prevalent, you know, in terms of them getting to know each other and just enjoying spending time with each other. Um, you know, for a lot of these guys, you know, they've never really been at a place like Nebraska before, whether it be you know, a transfer into the program or, you know, one of these freshmen, you know, this this is still all pretty new to them. So I think that that's, that's something that is, you know, you need a reminder of that, that this is still pretty new. And even though these guys have played, you know, half their season, that's, that's really not that much time. So the attitude is good. And, you know, the, I think the spirit is still good. And and as long as all the stuff off the floor is in a good spot, you got to like their, their chances to come out and play hard. Uh, and give it their all for 40 minutes on the floor. If you're having problems away from the court, it's going to translate, but I think it's translating for the
0: better. Yeah. Well, one of the guys who certainly had a, a, a shiny moment for the season on tu- on Tuesday was Kevin Cross, the freshman from Arkansas who popped in 17 points, and I know you had a chance to catch up with him earlier today.
4: Yeah, after practice, was able to talk to Kevin, and he's, he's going to be an interesting piece to this team moving forward, and uh obviously one of those guys we were just talking about it. that this is so new for him and just started out by asking him what it's been like so far playing in the Big Ten compared to maybe what he thought it
5: was heading into it. Uh, I love the competition.
6: This is something that you were preparing for uh, to come here and play and play against this type of competition. What's been the biggest adjustment for you, you know, compared to what you've been playing with growing up to, to what you're dealing with right now?
5: Uh, we're undersized. It's a massive size in the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, Pretty much we're smaller than everything we play every night.
6: You and Ivan are having to, to play down low quite a bit, and you're both figuring this out for the first time. What's it like going through this with him? You know, because it's all new for him too.
5: Uh, I want to say it's just a learning thing uh, because we're so young and we're still freshmen. What's What's been the
6: things that uh, you guys kind of talk about, specifically on the defensive end of what you have to do when you are so
5: undersized? Uh, kind of denying the post, uh, playing in front of the post, not letting him catch it too deep.
6: And then film study comes into that as well. What's that process been like learning how to watch film, what to watch for, and how you develop a scouting? Uh,
5: watching good cutouts, I guess. Uh, not, not, not letting them catch it too deep, like I said, yeah.
6: And when the coaches go through that with you, what's something that they, what, what they see, like you, you've had to develop into your game. You mentioned, you know, just denying it. But when, when you're going through it, how do, you, how do you find what to watch for, you know, with never watching film before?
5: Uh, uh, most, most players like to catch it off an angle, so we try to cut off that angle.
6: Defensively, Doc has been kind of the the ringleader there. Well, what's it been like learning from him and, and the message that he preaches, not to just to you post, but to everybody?
5: Uh, it's a new thing for everybody. Uh, everybody's getting getting adjusted to it, I guess. Playing Rutgers uh, again,
6: this is a team we've already seen before. What did you learn from that first matchup with these guys, and probably made the film study a little easier this week with a team you've already seen?
5: They're uh, pretty physical. Uh, they got Ron Harper. He can shoot the ball pretty well. Um,
6: and then going on the road this is something you've had to do a lot in the last few weeks what's that been like for you just traveling to all these places and and getting ready to play uh, with teams that are rooting against you
5: Uh Uh, i think it's pretty good uh we get to fight a little adversity on the road i guess and then
6: team bonding too you Uh know your guys are still coming together how has that part gone Of just getting to know one another and getting comfortable with each Uh, other it's
5: pretty good they switch up the roommates every time we travel so it's yeah well, how's the body feeling right
6: now, man? Uh, this is a lot of minutes and a lot of banging yeah, for you. Yeah, kind
5: of breaking down. Uh, I'm about to go get ice right now.
6: <laughs> Kevin, thanks for stopping by, man. Good luck this week. Thank, you. Thank you. Kevin Cross, Nebraska freshman forward, with us earlier
4: today, uh, before we uh, jumped on the plane east to Piscataway. Uh, interesting player because he does a lot of different things, and you know, probably playing undersized, and not probably he is playing undersized having to guard the five. But I think this is going to make him better in the long run. You know, the physicality of this league night in and night out and, you know, having to develop all the parts to his game, it's going to make him a, a, a all-around very complete player, I think.
0: You know, Ben, and you and I talked about this a little bit last night that – Next year, you're going to have Derek Walker eligible, who's going to be a legitimate post guy. And maybe maybe Kevin then can slide to a position that maybe fits him a little bit better. I think I think he's got a chance to be a pretty solid player in the Big Ten and getting some bigger bodies on the roster that can maybe make him play more on position instead of out of position would certainly help.
4: Oh, no doubt. And I think, you know, even getting guys like Solano and Shabeele back to you know watching those guys work out after practice today it's just it it was was pretty similar to the year that you know walt and teran had to sit out you know you, you had just so much talent sitting on the bench and i was kind of reminded of that today armand gates was working out with those two guys after practice and it's just you're just thinking how much better this team would be if you could have you know those three guys but um you know right now it's it's deal the hand that you're dealt with play what you're dealt with and these guys are undersized they know that and they understand that by now and you know you're halfway through it you just got to keep trudging through the waters and hopefully it makes you better players in the
0: end okay you're headed to the rack you've been there before it's going to be full though I don't think you've been there when it's been full you're this is going to be a challenge tomorrow it's a pretty good Rutgers team
4: yeah it's uh it's a little crackerjack box gym so I can only imagine it's going to get pretty loud I mean it was, it was A fairly decent crowd the last time we were there, too. But, you know, with this team being ranked and, um, you know, playing so, so well at home this year, the the, the people have a reason to be excited about this team. So, you know, I know we tease Rutgers a lot for being in this league, but this is one team that Rutgers can actually be proud of for competing in this league. And I think their fans are showing support with that. So, yeah, this is going to be a pretty tough atmosphere tomorrow. Uh, The team better be
0: ready for it. Yeah. Second go-around, they played him – in Lincoln in early January, and and it was a it was a tough outing for Nebraska, and and now Geo Baker's back. He did not play in that first go around against Nebraska, and and when I looked in the box score the other night, or watched a little bit of that Iowa game, he's not starting yet. They, they're having him come off the bench. It's a pretty good weapon to bring off the bench. That kid can fill it up. He's a good player, and I think what it what it did was his injury was it it, it really
4: made Rutgers to look inside and, and with Geo Baker and his, you know, outside shooting, I think, you know, there was a little more balanced effort, but they've had so so much success with those big guys that they haven't really needed that, that three point threat. And so, you know, when, when he comes in, it, you know, it's kind of the, kind of that deal, right? You got a, you got a big injury on, on your offense and football and you have to find, Ways to make it work without a player, and then that player comes back, and you're like, okay, well, this is this has been working. Do we just throw this guy back in, or do we, um, or, or do we continue to go with what's been working? And I think that's kind of what Steve Beichel is dealing with right now. But Geo Baker's way too good of a player to leave on that bench. He's he's going to give them minutes.
0: Yeah, no doubt. All right, uh, about eight uh, fifteen East Coast time, and I know what happens on the road stays on the road. My guess is you might be somewhere near Times Square right about now.
4: Well, you know first of all you have to you have to make sure Kent's squared away. So that that's priority <laughs> one. Uh to make sure he's all good to go. But then but then the secondary things, you know, kinda trickle in and battle plans are formed and since the Rutgers is having uh, an event tonight at the rack, the team can't go practice. So unfortunately, um I can't work. If the teams if the teams you know, can't can't be over there practicing then there's not much for me to do. So I might need to go uh, pedal paddle
0: around the, the area and see what's, uh, see what's good in this area. All right. Be safe and remember the motto, no man left behind.
4: <laughs> we have a buddy system in place. I think, uh, you know, we, we've got buddy systems and we've got battery packs for phone chargers. So we, sh- we should be in good shape. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Have fun. Ben McLaughlin joining us on our Sports Signing Hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. It's it's hard for me to imagine that I'm calling Rutgers a good basketball team, but they are a good basketball team.
2: Steve Peichel's done a great job there. He Coach of the year? Yes. Yes, he is. I, You know, if you stop the tape right now, yeah. we'll see how the rest of the year goes. But if you stop the tape right now, I don't think there's any question he's coach of the year. I mean, Rutgers Rutgers is a solid program right now. That and they're tough and, and they're physical. You know, they fit this league pretty well. And now the question is, how long can Rutgers keep him? Because you know, I've got a feeling there's going to be some shuffling in the coaching ranks this year. I mean, there always is, and. Steve Peichel, if he can win at Rutgers, there are going to be a lot of schools sitting there going, if he can win there, he by God sure could win here, right?
0: Came from Stony Brook, which mm-hmm. is where they hired him. So he's an East Coast guy. So. Is ACC? There a, I was thinking more Big East. Is there a Big East program that might try to grab him? St. John's, though, just changed.
2: Mm-hmm. Mike Anderson, year one. Seton Hall's working out. Georgetown. Ooh. Patrick Ewing. Yeah, if things get a little rough with Patrick or if Patrick just taps himself out. I mean, I think that's the more plausible scenario is Patrick Ewing just goes, I, I can't do this, or I, I don't want to deal with all this stuff you got to deal with to be a college coach. I'll just go coach pro. Yeah. You know, uh, Georgetown would make some sense. I that That's a good call there.
0: I, I just don't. To me, Peichel looks like a guy that's going to just stay on that East Coast. Sure. Let me give you another one. Let me give you Georgetown. Let me give you another one. Who replaces Jim Bayheim whenever that day comes and he's in his 70s? It's not far off. There's probably somebody off the Syracuse tree. Maybe it's Mike Hopkins, is at Washington. Yeah. He's done a really good job. Maybe it's somebody like that, but wouldn't they look at a Steve Peikle?
2: I would think they would look at Steve Peikle, but didn't, and especially because didn't Mike Hopkins kind of burn that bridge by going out to Washington. I mean, especially with Jim Beheim. He stri- was the coach in waiting for a while at Syracuse, and then he right. took the UW job. Yeah, because at some point you have to coach. At some point you have to do it. Right. You're going, uh, Jim, you're going to keep coaching. I, I want to be a head coach somewhere. I don't blame Mike Hopkins for leaving. Not at all. And you know, Jim Beheim isn't quite to the Joe Paterno, really, son, it, it's time to go time. But he's getting close. Like, yeah. uh, Syracuse is pretty irrelevant right now in an ACC that's pretty manageable. It's not like that conference is very it, – it is all that tough right now. North right. Carolina's down. Virginia's off of where they were last year. Duke is great, okay. but they're Duke. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and not like Louisville's a juggernaut. So, I mean, it's a manageable ACC, and I think the clock's out on him. Yeah. And But, you know, this is – it's the tough part because that's a really comparable situation. Uh, it, the national image of Penn State was Joe Paterno and the and the football program. The national image of Syracuse is Jim Boeheim and basketball, and especially where their football hasn't been very good lately. I mean, Syracuse is gonna Syracuse is coming to a tough decision point with him and. Maybe soon, and maybe Peichel's the beneficiary of
0: it. Fourth year at Rutgers, he's one game below 500. But I think even when year one and two, and a little bit like what we're seeing from Coach Hoyberg here, you're seeing where it's going. Mm-hmm. You see where it's And Ben and I went over this the other night. When I look at the, the Big Ten stats, conference games, Nebraska, number one in assists number one in three-pointers made, number three in the turnover-to-assist ratio. Those are good categories to lead in. We're obviously bad in rebounding and block shots because we don't have any size. Right. But things we control and what he wants to do with
2: this program, we're getting pretty good at already. Well, I think the second part is really the key. It's what he wants to be good at. It's what is important to Fred Hoiberg anyway, his vision for how basketball is going to be run. So... The, the fact that he's already been able to install those parts, now it's bringing the rebounding and, and that to a passable level. Right now it's not there yet, but it, you know you have faith that he can get it there. So, I mean, those are good signs that, that Fred Hoiberg is taking this thing in the right direction. I'll tell you something else. The way this team continues to fight, right I mean, they've dropped four games in a row. They, they've struggled lately. It's been tough. And, you know, it's not like these guys have a great loyalty to each other because they were thrown together this summer, and yet they keep fighting, they keep competing. It, it, this team has some talent limitations, but they're doing as good as they can with what they've got. I mean, they, he's kept them fighting and kept them working. That's Here, notable. Here's
0: something I think's different. In past, Nebraska teams would get down 16, <laughs> 18, 20 points. They would end up losing by 25 or 30. Sure. That's not happening with this group. Mm-hmm. They get down 18. They fight back. They get it inside of single digits and kind of scare the other team. Now, they don't have enough to finish it off. At least it did isn't against Wisconsin or even the Northwestern game a few weeks ago. Or at Ohio State where they were down big. They, but they got it back to 12 at the end of the game. That shows that they're still playing really hard for Coach Hoyberg.
2: Right. He's, he's kept them in the right direction. He, he's built that culture of competition. We've heard about it so much with football too that you know it's important to continue to fight even when you're down and Mm -hmm. even when it's not going to make a difference between winning or losing because down the road it will and 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 so they've shown an impressive amount of competitiveness and fight and want to in the early part of the fred hoiberg regime
0: double-digit underdog tomorrow I don't like this matchup for Nebraska because Nebraska's weaknesses are certainly Rutgers' strength. Mm -hmm. So, I think it could be a tough game. I thought Nebraska could hang in there the other night, and they did, really. And if Wisconsin doesn't go crazy and make 18 threes, Nebraska might have won that game.
2: They would have had a shot. But, yeah, this is not a good matchup for Nebraska. And, you know, especially where Rutgers is going to be playing at home and it's going to be an energized home crowd. And Ben mentioned it. That's a small building. so. 8,000 there is going to feel like 15,000 most places. Right, yeah. So it's going to be a big ask for this program to go out to Rutgers, who's playing well, who's a bad matchup for them, and find a way to win.
0: Believe it or not, Husker baseball began today. First full practice with Will Bolt and the guys. They've had some individual workouts the last couple of weeks, but this was the first full team practice, and so a lot of – media folks out there taking some pictures will bolt had a little media session and i had a chance to sit down with junior infielder jackson hallmark and asked him if he's ready to go
7: oh yeah i'm ready let's start with your health i know you've had some wrist problems the last year plus where are you at with all that you know i'm not 100 percent yet but i think i'm getting pretty close surgery's done just doing rehab right now and i'm practicing full go and just hoping that the strength comes back and i'll be ready to go first day How different is it around here without Coach Erstad and now Coach Bolt and the staff? You know, it's weird not having Erstad. I mean, there's been people that like accidentally say like, oh, Coach Erstad whenever they're talking about Bolt, but it's because they're such similar coaches. I mean, they both love baseball. They really want to win. They demand respect and they demand respect for the game and you play the right way. So it hasn't been that much of a change. How motivated are you guys from the fact that
0: you were a strike away from maybe having control of a regional, and then you sit back and you watch Michigan, who you beat three times, get to the championship game. That has to fuel you guys
7: a little bit. Uh, it, yeah, I mean a little bit. You know, I'm trying. New thing I'm trying this year is I'm not trying to think about what has happened, because it'd be easy to say like, oh, if we get that last out, then we walk our way into Lubbock. We <laughs> we could we could win that regional, or we could win that super regional, and that could have been us instead of Michigan playing in the national championship. It's easy to say that, but we don't know. That's not the way the chips fell, and that's fine. I think this year, we're just focusing on us. We see the task in front of us, and that's Baylor right now. And we're just going to focus up on Baylor. Does it show you, though, how close you guys are to being able to compete at the highest levels? I think it does. I think there's a lot of guys on this team that know that we were right there last year. And I think we're even more prepared this year. So I don't think there's any person on this team that's worried about, like, oh, we might not be good enough. Oh, we might not be able to make it that far. I think everybody on this team believes that we could go as far as we want you know they're on the schedule again oh yeah be ready for that one
0: <laughs> last year you played everywhere you were in the outfield you were in the infield At kind of late in the season it seemed like you found the home at second base and, and by all accounts
7: that's where they're going to start you you okay with that oh i love second base but honestly wherever they put me is fine with me what about where do you want to hit where do you spot in the lineup that you would prefer to be I mean, it'd be nice to hit like leadoff, but I mean, honestly, I don't care. If I'm in the lineup, if it's one through nine, I honestly have I don't care at all. As long as I'm playing, I don't care. How
0: much work have you guys been able to get in since you got back from, from the
7: holidays? And then obviously, it's they're still on the ground. You're not probably gonna be outside for a while. How, how much does that hinder you guys? You know, it doesn't. I've been here for two years now. This is my third year, and we've never been able to practice outside before we go to our first weekend. And the last two years that I've been here, we've started off hot the first weekend. Like, I think, I, th- I don't, people think it's like, people say, it's like, oh, it's tough. You don't get to go outside and practice. But honestly, I think it's a blessing in disguise because when we hit the field, that first game, it's the first time we're on the field. And we're like rabid dogs, we're ready to go. Yeah. I mean, I'm, we have great facilities in here. I mean, there's nothing we can't do. We can go into the Hawks and we can take pot flies if we wanted to. We can come in here and we're gonna hit live today off of batter or off of pitcher. Like, it's not that big of a deal.
0: All right. Everybody's familiar with a lot of the names on the team. You, the Mojo's, the Polinski's. Give me a name or two that's
7: caught your eye from some of the new guys in the fall or what you've seen here in workouts the last couple weeks. You know, there's two guys that have caught my eye this year. And they're both freshmen. It's uh, Leighton Banjoff and Luke Boyton. They're both guys that are coming in from high school. And I didn't really know who they were coming out of high school. And they got here, and they caught my eye right away. The kids can swing it. And they play the game hard, and they play the game fast. And they're not afraid when they get in the box. And I think that's huge for us as a team. Like, we can put them anywhere in the lineup, and they'll be able to swing the bat. So, those are two eyes I'd say, or two names I'd say, keep an eye on. We're visiting Jackson Hallmark
0: now, a junior. So now you're one of the older guys. You know what that transition's like, though. I mean, it's different, right? Going
7: from high school ball to facing some really good college pitching. Yeah, it's the speed of the game is much much faster in college. People always told me that whenever I was coming from high school to college, and you just you just don't understand it, no matter how much people say it until you get on that field the game's just so much faster and any kind of mistake you make is amplified in college baseball so i mean if we can just teach him to like breathe take it one play at a time i think they're gonna be fine
0: altavilla was a guy that certainly kind of set the temperature sometimes for this team who who takes
7: that role now that he's gone you know you can't really replace angelo altavilla there's nobody like him but you know i think we got a couple of guys i think spencer schwellenbach is a really big name that'll be able to get us going i hopefully myself I hope that I can set the tone for a team. And, you know, I mean, there's, like I said, there's no replacing Angelo, but I think there's a couple guys like me and Schwally that could set the tone for us.
0: I asked you about the change in coaching staff. Do do you notice any change? And will fans notice any change in the style of play? Some things that you may do differently
7: offensively than you did previously? You know, I think there's going to be a lot more emphasis on run production as opposed to just swinging the bat. Mm Uh, Maybe watch from a few more hit and runs, a few more bunts, trying to manufacture more runs this year. All right. I'm glad you're healthy. Have a good couple weeks. Let's go to Waco and win some games. Let's do it. There he is, Jackson Hallmark,
0: now a junior. And last year, boy, he pitched a couple of times. He played in the outfield. He played second base. But I think he's going to find a home at second base for this team. It's interesting to hear them say that there's not a ton of difference between Darren Erstad and Will Bolt as coaches, but there's got to be some subtle things that are just different. It's just They're not clones of each other.
2: No, it's baseball through a different filter, through a different set of eyes, but, hey, they work together as coaches on That's the true. same staff. So yeah. so there, there's a little bit of shared experience or shared DNA between the two of them, but, uh, you know, Will's experience is so much different than Darren's. I mean, mm-hmm. Darren was a major league player and and was a high-talent guy, at least coming up. And, of course, he had to work to develop his skills. But, you know, Darren was a guy with more talent than Will, whereas sure. Will kind of had to scrap his way through just to just to be a college baseball player. And so that gives you a whole different range of experiences and attitudes.
0: Will was very complimentary of the group as a whole. So I was left a really good caliber guy, He's guys that I want to be around. They're, I'm not having issues that I'm having to, you know, flood some things out. That so from that standpoint it sounds like it's been a pretty smooth transition. The question marks obviously with this team is you replace all three weekend starters. That is I mean, not that you can't do it, but that's that's why there's a lot of uncertainty about where this
2: team can go. Right. It, it all starts with your your, your weekend rotation and it can solve a lot of problems for you if your weekend rotation's good, it can preserve your bullpen. It can give you chances to win games that you wouldn't normally have. And, and, you know, if you don't have a starting rotation, you're taxing that bullpen. You're making guys throw more innings than you would hope to early in series and, and really handicapping your chances to where things kind of snowball on each other. So it, identifying a weekend rotation – and building a good one, that's probably job one right now for Will Bolt and Jeff Christie and yeah. that staff.
0: A lot of the lineup is back. Husker fans will be familiar with a lot of the guys that are in everyday roles and up and down that lineup. But it's that starting pitching. And as Darren Erstad used to say, it starts on the mound. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see. D1 Baseball came out today with their preseason poll. Nebraska was picked sixth in the league. That's so, perfect game, I think, had them eighth. But. I think a lot of people don't quite know what to do with them. Exactly, until they see these arms.
2: It, it, it really is an unknown until you know who's starting, and it's all projection and, and guessing where where guys might translate, and maybe some guys from last year or whatever. As far as your starting rotation and and trying to pick out a weekend rotation for Nebraska, it, it's just tough to do.
0: And you don't play everybody in the league either. No. So scheduling it
2: factors into it. Yeah, the it, you know. Trying to pick college baseball. Hard. Pretty tough.
0: Yeah, Pretty really, tough. really tough. Appreciate Jackson Hallmark spending some time with us. Three weeks from tonight, we'll be in Waco, Texas. Huskers and the Bader Bears open up the baseball season. Looking forward to that. We welcome you back. Sports Island here on the Husker Sports Network. And- We've talked about this now for a handful of years, that the Husker wrestling team and either the men's or women's gymnastics team combines up to doing a tumble-rumble event, and it's going to happen again this Sunday out at the Devaney Center. And this year, it's the Husker men that will be involved as they take on Iowa. And we're delighted to be joined by Chuck Schmelke, the head coach of the Cornhuskers. Coach, great to have you with us. How you been? Everything okay?
1: Yes, sir, Ben. Very well. Thank you.
0: Good to have you with us. Uh, I know you're 3-1 and one in duels. You've, you've had a portion of your season already underway. Give me kind of a, a grade card as you look at the first month of this season.
1: Well, we started real well. We uh, were out in Colorado for the Rocky Mountain Open, and uh, Nemesis Oklahoma beat us, but we were tied with them going into the last event, and I felt pretty good about that. Uh, the guys battled hard, and they really, really did a good job for the first competition.
0: Tell me about some of the guys that have been scoring for you so far. I mean, I, this is the first time in several years I haven't been able to ask you about Anton Stevenson. So give me, give me <laughs> some, give me some names that have been doing well for you early in this one.
1: Well, uh, our senior Jake Benet really led us. Uh, he did a great job. Uh, other captain uh, Zach Peters and Griffin Keeler were tough. They, they all counted on two or three events for us Uh, and then we had a couple freshmen in the lineup that did a very nice job as well Um, and I can't forget Charlie Giles he won the pummel horse and that was really exciting he really put together a beautiful routine so we were pretty steady all through the the entire meet and with you know top to bottom in ages so it was it was it was good
0: You've been you've been hitting the number 403 in your team scores on a handful
1: of your meets. Is that is that the
0: ceiling or is there more in this team as you look at
1: this? Oh no, there's more, but after watching some other teams compete these last two weeks, uh there were many in the 300s. So, uh staying in the 400 is our goal for this coming weekend and Hopefully, you know, we have the third-highest score right now in the country, so hopefully we can move up from that.
0: All right, so you've had a few weeks off since that Rocky Mountain Open, and then you've got Tumble Rumble coming up here on Sunday against Iowa. What what can fans expect to see? Give me a little scouting report on the Hawkeyes.
1: Well, they're good. They're well-coached. They're a very disciplined team. They don't make very many mistakes. Uh, we have to come out and hit routines to beat them. Uh, but we can. We're uh, we're really good. We're solid. And I would expect us to do the same. And it'll be a tough battle all the way down to high bar, the last event.
0: Well, this is your first look. Well, I know you had Minnesota was out the Rocky Mountains, So this will be your second team in the league to get a look at. Uh, what's it like being a part of this event? I mean, usually there's a a rhythm and a sound to a gymnastics meet. You add in the wrestling duel. That's got to be a little bit different atmosphere for
1: your guys. We're looking so forward to this, Greg. I think this is going to be one of the best competitions ever. And if you're a sports fan and you're not sure what gymnastics is or you're not sure what wrestling is, you're getting two for the price of one. Come out, it's dollar day, it's cheap, Pepsi products, hot dogs. I think the gym's going to be electric with everything going on. It's, it's going to be an amazing day for sports at Nebraska.
0: Well, again, at two o'clock is when it gets going on Sunday at the Avanti Center. Husker wrestling against Michigan State. Husker men's gym against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, we have talked for a while now about your new practice facility, which I'm told is just days
1: away from opening. You got to
0: be getting a little excited here, a little late Christmas present for you.
1: Oh, we can't wait. We just peek out the window and look <laughs> in there. It's so beautiful. And oh, just, you know, all the equipment we're going to get for it, just how it, it's going to make training more safe, more efficient, uh, should help in recruiting immensely. It's, it's, it's the best training facility in the United States, and we're going to use it really, really good.
0: Well, fantastic. That has to. You mentioned recruiting. I mean, I know the doors haven't been open yet, but you've been able to, I'm sure, go out all fall and summer and talk about to, to young, prospective student-athlete, what, what's to come. It's gonna. It's got to help, doesn't it, Coach?
1: Yes, it has to. Just, you know, we've been peeking in there now for for better part of the year, and now when you look in there, it gives you the wow. I mean, I sit there and I go, wow, this is amazing, where, you know, two months ago, it'd be like, this looks really awesome. But you can't figure out how it's going to all come together at the end. Well, it's coming together now, and it's better than I ever dreamed it would be.
0: Can't wait to see your face when they hand the key over to you. That's <laughs> going to be one special day. <laughs> you in know,
1: it. I hear you.
0: Well, Coach, best of luck on, on Sunday against Iowa. We're going to continue to follow this team as they make their way through the conference and, and some of the duels that you have coming up in the month of February. I'm looking forward to an exciting season, and you're off to a good start.
1: Well, thank you. I sure appreciate it, and, and uh, go Big Red.
0: And we're back. Final couple minutes here of Sports County on a Friday night. Time for us to wrap it all up with our winners and losers. Mr. Roar, lead
2: us off. All right, my winner for the week I wish I could identify him or her, but the anonymous baseball writer who did not vote (laughs) for Derek Jeter, you are my winner of the week. Because here's the deal. Derek Jeter is an inner circle, no doubt, slam dunk Hall of Famer. There has never been a position player to get 100% of the vote. And in fact, only one player in baseball history, Mariano Rivera, who is the best closer in Major League history, almost indisputably. Okay, he can get 100% of the vote. Derek Jeter's really, 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 really good. But if Willie Mays, if Mickey Mantle, if Ken Griffey Jr. can't get 100% of the vote, Jeter has no business getting 100%. Are
8: you good I, with that, Josh? 100% agree. We talked about this the day that <laughs> the, 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 this, the uh, inductees were announced, and Nate Nate was very passionate about his case, but I, I agree 100%, and he laid it out very well. If you're if i mean he's a great player and for sure a hall of famer but it's you know you got to bring him down a level he's not the greatest player of all time let's let's be real here
2: no doubt i mean there were a lot of those yankees teams where he wasn't even the best hitter i mean M- rivera has the argument on him for a big chunk of his career as the best yankee period there are a lot of those years where hey those yankee teams were stacked so they were really good and being the second best yankee is really good But he wasn't even the best hitter on his own team. So uh, that's my winner of the week. I wish I could honor him or her properly. But if you want to stay anonymous, great. (laughs) My loser of the week is Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk. Earlier this week, he said it might be worth the 49ers taking a dirty hit on Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Mike Florio... You are an evil, horrific, terrible, (laughs) small man, and you should never open your mouth
0: again. He should should not be credentialed for an NFL game for making that comment.
2: I mean, you know, hey, we know football is something of a game of intimidation, physicality, all that stuff. They're trying hard to get that out of the game. And and yet you've got a guy saying that?
8: Come on. Mm. Bad. All right, I'm gonna stick with NFL for my loser Nate and go with a couple of NFL guys, Antonio Brown and Kareem Hunt. They just can't stay out of trouble, both really? in legal trouble in the last day or two, even though they already are on thin ice. Brown basically, you know, is not sure if he's ever gonna get back in the league, and then Kareem Hunt, a guy who, not sure if he should still be playing, but was, and then he gets in trouble. So uh, these guys, uh, it just makes me shake my head how they can't stay stay out of trouble, but. My winner, I'm going to also go to the NFL for this one, and I'm going to go with Eli Manning. He retired officially today. He's not my favorite player. The Giants aren't one of my teams, but he helped knock off the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl, two of my favorite Super Bowls ever, Mm -hmm. to see the New England Patriots lose. So he's my winner today because it made me have those fond memories of seeing the Patriots lose. Hall of Famer? I'm going to say yes. I mean, if – he, he has the same argument as Derek Jeter. He was a consistent player who won championships. So, I mean, not as many, but I, I think that he was very consistent. And when you have two Super Bowls to your t- to your credit, those two Super Bowls are enough to give him into the Hall of Fame, in my, my opinion. Very good. All right, my winner of the week, Alex Gordon. One more year. Yes. Good for him.
0: Gets it back with the Royals. I think that's great. Hopefully he has a great year. My loser Everybody, and I mean everybody involved in that KUK State brawl, that was ugly. It was a bad look for college
2: hoops. No question. Not a good night for anybody. Just awful. All
0: right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks to Nate, to Josh, and everybody for being a part of this one. Have a great night. Bill Moose will lead us off on Monday with his monthly show. Have a great weekend.